part. I, I said the joke. It's the joke from Order of the Stick. I said it, everybody. Uh, we can go home now. Thanks. This has been Original Podcast. Do not steal. Um, I hope it was my week to do the cold open. I didn't check in about that. I just did it. Hi, everybody. My name is Amber Autumn. This is Original Podcast. Do not steal. I'm the only person here doing it. Nobody else is joining me this week. Anyway, hello, mysterious ghosts floating around me. Um, uh, how are you? Who are you? Hello, everyone. Hey, what's up? Devin? Devin, you there? Big energy in the room, everyone. Hi, what are we doing? It's Original Podcast. Do not <laughs> steal a podcast where every week I, Prince Devin, my co-host Amber Autumn, our guests this week, because sometimes we have guests, will discuss a property at length, and by the end of that discussion, have enough knowledge to create a character within that space. That's the context. That's what we do. Everyone, let's get going. Who are our guests? Woo! We, Sorry. uh, Jude, you go first. My name is Jude Cyrus. I spend 14 hours a day watching Family Guy funny moments. And I'm Noah Henderson. I am Jude's brother, and uh, you may know me from being a previous guest on the podcast, or maybe you didn't listen, whatever. That's fine. We did the Percy Jackson episode with Noah, and that means it's Jude's first time on the pod. So Jude, to introduce you to our audience of tens, maybe even twelves of people what... uh, don't push your luck that's highballing it a little bit huh what is something you think is overrated and what is something you think is underrated okay what i think is underrated is order of the stick i have mentioned this <laughs> many answer. times as i have tried to get my friends to read it failing miserably each time um and something i think is overrated that toxic waste candy I am so absolutely typical pink that you gave the same answer for underrated as Noah, which is the topic we're discussing today. <laughs> Sibling resemblance. I haven't told you what I picked as underrated. No, but last time. Last time I said what was underrated was, oh yeah, yeah, it was. It was the thing that we were discussing. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. All right, well, that's introductions, nerds. Let's talk about the thing, because it's going to be a long one. It almost certainly is. Oh, no, wait, did something you give... Is that only for first-time guests? Yeah, it's a first-time guest thing. Oh, no. Okay, that's fine. I'm good. Everyone, if you want to know more about Noah um, and what he thinks is over and underrated, you will just have to go back and listen to the Percy Jackson episode. Um, We talk about NFTs in it, and that's... (laughs) Follow me on Letterboxd, too. You know what? I tell you when to point at the screen and say the title of the movie. We'll drop our Letterboxd at the end of the episode. You'll have to wait in suspense to hear our Letterboxd. That's what's going to keep everybody in their seats for the duration of the episode. Cool. I've never been to Letterboxd. I don't know what it's even like. Okay. I'm going to start by giving my, like, really bird's eye level description of what exactly Order of the Stick is. And then I'm going to turn it loose to the guests to talk for like 30 minutes about it. And then I'm going to come back in with some more. Um, That's basically my plan. So Order of the Stick is, uh, I'll say, a um, 2005 gaming webcomic, which is, I think, just about the best pitch that I could possibly give. 2003, actually. I'm sorry, 2003. That's even worse. A 2003 gaming webcomic. Wow, happy birthday, huh? Two decades with Order of the Stick. Um, it starts out with very much like a Knights of the Kitchen Table, Killer Gazebo sort of a level of like, oh, they're doing jokes about Dungeons and Dragons 3rd edition rules, like cute little meta jokes, right? 
Um, but obviously it does the thing that every webcomic does when it goes on for two decades because it is a still ongoing series. Um, sure is. Which is that over time, the author wants to be telling a story that means something and to be creating a work of art that has consequences and that has reasons to care about it over time. And so it gradually morphs into um, a genuine bona fide fantasy epic spanning thousands and thousands of pages and um, like a just shy of a dozen print books at this point in between the like main strip and all the prequel stuff and side content um uh about a it's about a party of six adventurers the main six as they are known <laughs> that's not what they're fucking known as <laughs> um yeah i was doing what in the industry we refer to as a uh a joke it's a D adventuring party in third edition dungeons and dragons going on you know a big quest to save the world as one does uh, but also, at the same time, making a bunch of cute little meta jokes, which slowly evolve into less like meta jokes and more like an important narrative structure, being aware of the characters like spell levels and whatever. That's broad level the thing that Order of the Stick is. Do you guys want to talk any about what it is or what your relationship with it is before... I'm going to chime in because mine's very short, very quick, and then I'll let you guys talk forever. But this episode is so easy for me because I don't have to do anything. I have to do so goddamn little because I don't know dick about Order of the Stick. Order of the Stick was the thing in high school Amber was obsessed with. And we all have a thing. We try to get all of our friends to read and they never do it. And I started reading Order of the Stick and I thought it was pretty good. And I went, Amber, I'll finish once you start reading Berserk. And then Amber said, okay, oh. never started Berserk, so I've never finished wow. Order of the Stick. Oh, oh. oh. damn, I forgot about that. <laughs> okay, however, um, uh, I don't care enough about Devin reading Order of the Stick to bother reading a gajillion page comic like Berserk, so. That's fair. I yield the rest of my time, you two talk. So my experience with Order of the Stick is that my dad introduced me to it. He was the person who, oh, wow. uh, he was in a D&D group with his buddies who would come over and he was reading it and he thought it was funny and he introduced it to me, at, you know, when I was old enough to have swear words, you know, in my comics like bitch. Phoebe or Jude and I picked it up and... Uh, we kind of got more into it than Dad ever was. So I started reading it. I read up and I haven't read it in a while. The last, I haven't finished the the most recent completed arc yet. Uh, it's more Jude's thing now than mine. I would love to get into it if I could find the time again to reread it. Because it's a very, it's a very dense, like, I guess not dense, it's just, like, there's so many plot points, there's so much, so many layers of characterization that I feel like I couldn't just pick back up where I left off. Yeah, for, like, re yeah, you would probably want to reread it at that point. Um, for reference, I, like, in the last few weeks did a reread of it. That was what prompted this episode, is I was like, I'm gonna reread Oots, and in response, I'm gonna have us do the Oots episode. Um, and I have been reading a few hours every couple days, basically, and it took me about two weeks to get through the whole main strip. It's not short. I actually reread it 
like twice last year because wow. it was yeah once when i was on a cruise with my dear brother and another time i sort of just started off in the because my i was visiting my friend who got covid at the time and so i was kind of passing at the t- passing the time by reading from war and xps onwards and then i just i would always like spend my time like reading it in the downtime at work i to introduce uh my way of being my relationship with order of the stick vaguely similar to uh noah's i have a very specific memory of asking my dad at what age was i allowed to either a watch the simpsons or b read order of the stick he said i had to watch i was allowed to watch the simpsons once i turned age 13 he said i was allowed to read order of the stick at age 18 okay well that's stupid oh it's extremely stupid and i constantly make fun of him for it <laughs> yeah he he admits that that was kind of a dumb like decision that leads into a different thing i sorry i started reading order of the stick like way before i was like not really way before I was 13, but before I was 13, once I was, like, I was, like, age maybe 14, I had already watched all of, like, Futurama, like, all that was on Netflix at the time, and I asked my dad if I could watch some of The Simpsons, and he deliberated on it for, like, 10 minutes. I was 14. This was at, like, my cousin's house, and so it was just such a weird thing as to, like, I've seen, like, all of Futurama. What do you want from me? But, yeah, um, I, he only ever had the original Dungeon Crawl and Fools and On Origin of PCs. And it wasn't until later on that we got all the rest of the books. And I'm not even sure if he even knows what happens in the rest of the books. But I In do. his defense, there is that book at the be- there is that joke at the beginning of Origin of PCs about the guy wanting to fuck his mom. So that is true. I can understand how you would be uncomfortable at handing that to your children. <laughs> That's fair. He actually his his dungeon his Dungeon Crawl and Fools uh thing is actually signed by Rich Burlu himself. Oh, cute. I mean, I think he got it done at Gen Con. I wonder if we posted this in the forums, if Rich Burlew would hear it and listen to our entire webcomic and then hear our OC and go, that OC is so good, I'm going to write them into the main strip. Ooh, I think if yeah. that doesn't happen, we should sue him, personally. I mean, he did that with, like, he didn't, it was, like, during, for, like, the Kickstarter. Like, if you, like, bagged his Kickstarter, he, someone, like, gave him, like, a character and he just sort of, like, turned her into a whole character. Just that pink-haired girl with the tiger in book Yeah, six. Veldrina. Listen. If there's one thing I know, the one time we got an author to respond to the podcast, it was Nicholas Eames. And how do we do it? It's because I told him to suck my dick. So guy who writes oots, <laughs> suck me off, Fuck boy. you, Rich Burlew. He's not going to wa- re- listen to this now. He hasn't even followed me back on Twitter, and I'm constantly posting out-of-context scenes from it. What do you want from me, Rich? So, okay, you guys have talked a lot about your relationship to oots. What do you like about it? Let's get into that part of the podcast. I like the characters. It's some of the it's some of the best character writing like I've ever read. Yeah. That's actually a really succinct. Yeah, like I had a lot more like catchy and interesting things to say, but I think truly yeah, the heart and soul of it is that like the story revolves around like a core cast of six central characters who are um, extremely well realized who have really involved psychologies like we understand I think for every single one of them what their parentage was like like what the house they grew up in looked like and how that affected them into their adult life in like ways where like it gets revealed over the course of the story and you don't 
like when you first show up you're just they first show up you're like oh that's just like how they're acting and then over time as you meet all of their like families and understand all of their backgrounds you understand retroactively how it informs everything that they've done and like every like seemingly minor joke action becomes like much more than itself we should establish that these six people are a party of adventurers called the order of the stick and that's how the name gets its name (laughs) the name they have like an out of out of canon reason and an in canon reason why they are called order of the stick and the out of canon reason is that it's a comic of stick figures and that's a party it's the order the in reason is because they all had such terrible ideas when trying to name themselves that uh their leader just got so frustrated with He's just pointing at things on the ground. We could be called the Rock Guild or the Order of the Stick because he saw a freaking, he saw he saw a rock and a stick on the ground, and then Order of the Stick s- stuck. Yeah, and <laughs> and by stick figure, it's like it's not like XKCD stick figures. They are like more realized and they have gotten more like fully formed over time. But yeah, at the beginning they were people with like heads and bodies and stick arms and legs. I know the art upgrade in book six is controversial, but for the record, I think it looks gorgeous. Controversial um, in quotations. I think it, it was controversial so for like a month, and then everyone got used to it. <laughs> um, here's a, something that might pique your interest, Evan, is that probably the number one piece of media that inspired Order of the Stick is Babylon 5. You can see it all over the place. They quote They quote it directly in... Um, origin of PCs. The name of the website that it's hosted on is Giant ITP, which is Giant in the Playground, which is obviously a line from season four of Babylon Five. He literally says, like, in quite a few of the author commentaries, that like this was almost entirely Babylon Five. This is like all them. I le- he le- the thing about Rich is that he learned how to write just by dissecting other people's writing. He like he didn't take any formal courses he just like tried to analyze what made other people's writing work and incorporated that into his writing because literally everything i want to say about order of the stick all the interesting like character uh studies or overarching themes rich has literally already talked about said it better than i ever could have in any of his author commentaries like you were talking about how everyone had their own families and Families is one of the biggest, like, and how family affects you is one of the biggest overarching themes in Order of the Stick, and I want to put that in, like, my theoretical, like, three-hour video essay on Order of the Stick, but knowing Rich, he's probably just going to put it into the author commentary of the last book and say it more, better, more intelligently, more, uh, succinctly than I ever could. So, uh, just to, I'm gonna go over the the main six as they are known, as we all as we all know, they're all known as the main six. Um, uh, just briefly, so that we get a sense of like who is in this book already. So you have uh, the leader of the party, Roy, who is a human fighter, absolute backbone of the group in terms of logistics. Uh, he has a lot of initiative. He gets into the whole quest for sort of the wrong reasons. God, it's actually so hard to talk about the characters because they change so much over the course. I'm like, am I describing book one Roy or am I describing book six Roy, you know? <laughs> um, uh, Roy has a really dry sense of humor. He has a stick up his ass about, like, disproving the idea that fighters are dumb, uh, which he's really good at. He, like, is good at utilizing the resources of his team, even as he almost always ends up as the straight man in all of the comedy of everybody else being super fucking annoying to him. Um, Elon, the human bard... 
uh, who is uh, dumb as a bag of rocks, um, childlike in a lot of ways, but also like the hottest guy alive, is really funny. He's a stick figure. There are constantly allusions to like everybody in the world wanting to fuck Alon. Um, everywhere he goes, women are throwing their phone numbers at him. Or, you know, phone numbers for the equivalent thereof in a slightly anachronistic uh, fantasy role-playing game setting. Yeah. (laughs) You know, his whole thing is like a childlike sense of wonder um, at the world and also like a little bit being useless um, because he's just trying to like sing music to help people. But also, critically, the skill that he has that does end up being useful is that Elan is the most genre-savvy of the group. Alon is aware of what is going to happen narratively, which ends up being really important. There's like a very recent moment in the in the comic where the characters are all about to be confronted by like the big bad evil guy and they have a chance to either they're like either we're going to make the final stand here or they run and hide. And Roy turns to Alon, he goes, "Alon, is this the final battle moment plot-wise? Is this the moment when the final showdown happens?" And Alon says, "I think no." And Roy goes, "Okay, then we're hiding." Like, it becomes a skill set that's useful for them. Uh, there's Haley, human rogue. I'm apparently going through all the humans first. Uh, who, like, starts out as sort of like a one-note joke about um, being greedy. Um, but it turns out that she's actually, like, opportunistic in maybe a helpful way. She can, th- like, she knows her way around human psychology better than pretty much anybody else can. She can, like, think like a trickster would think. Like, she can use a lot of her trust issues in a helpful way, I guess. She has a lot of trust issues. Um, Durkin, dwarf, cleric, healer. Um, Durkin blends into the background of the first several books, like, sort of on purpose. He's, like, the moral center of the thing. He uh, keeps everybody going on the right track ethically, but he also has trouble with um, being pretty passive, um, which is not necessarily always a character trait that you want in a fully realized narrative character, so it's incredible that it actually ends up being really interesting in the later part of the series. Um, Varsuvius, elf wizard, who starts out again as like a joke about how they are super wordy, um, but it ends up being like Varsuvius is a character who really wants a lot of power and really believes in the power of magic as being more powerful than anything else which obviously is both helpful in terms of having like being objectively the most powerful member of the group but also like potentially dangerous instinct that everybody has to sort of manage their uh, like it's very much like Roy and Durkin are lawful good Haley and Alon are chaotic good Varsuvius is true neutral um, which then brings us to Belkar, the sixth member of the group, who is chaotic evil. Because you always got to have one chaotic evil char- one player who yeah. wants to play a chaotic evil character. Belkar is the halfling ranger, multi-classes into barbarian later, and he is very much doing the murder hobo thing for most of the strip, um, where he wants to not pay attention to the rules and not pay attention to what anybody needs and not pay attention to the story, and he just wants to like kill and fuck his way through the storyline which obviously becomes a conflict as it gradually unfolds from they're doing a dungeon crawl to they have to save the world and the world is a place that belkar lives in and maybe some of his actions are going to have consequences um that's the main six thank you for letting me do that for a hundred thousand years um does anyone have anything to add on that we also need to introduce the the two main villains uh there is zykon the lich who is the big evil bad dude 
who basically his thing is that he's a dick like he's he's i believe rich burley says he's both irredeemably evil and also just a real piece of shit like he is only interested in you know he wants to control the world basically he wants to control these MacGuffins that uh he are like crucial to the plot of the story but mainly his his goal is standard villain but you know really in terms of personality he's just a very fun character he's you know pr very competent and he is also helped by his right hand man who is a goblin named red cloak and red cloak oh, is red cloak red cloak has a much has one of the best character developments character like motivations of a villain i've ever seen uh it's kind of spoilery to red get Cloak's into so it good. but basically he works for zykon to fuel his own he basically is like the right the second the henchman with a parallel but like his own plan a parallel plan but yeah he needs he's basically trying to like create a homeland for for goblins and it's oh he's so good and the way they write him and the way everything is done with him is just amazing and is is there anyone else he starts out you see him and he's just like a goblin who's like there who's like a cleric and you're like oh he's a minion to zykon and then he ends up like being probably the single most interesting character in the entire series mm -hmm. absolutely over the course of his stay creature in the darkness creature in the darkness right monster in the darkness monster in the darkness is a sweet innocent creature who is kept in complete darkness he is a he is canonically a monster that exists within dnd and he is also the most powerful monster ever and he's also a sweet innocent uh creature who basically the bad guys have duped into being into working for them and he eventually grows a conscience and he's also just a wonderful addition did you have something you wanted to say jude not necessarily the most powerful monster but definitely very powerful Possibly the most powerful creature that they have faced in Order of the Stick. But, I mean, of course not. He's not a Tarrasque. They've explained this. This is a thing, like, Rich Burlew, the creator, like, originally, he has something in mind for what the creature is, and it is a real creature in D&D that can do, that has in the game the powers to do all the things that the creature has been demonstrated doing. And there has been, like, a guessing game for, I guess now, decades for like who is the creature in the darkness and apparently no one has guessed it correctly yet no he didn't mention that some people have possibly guessed it he never mentioned that no one's guessed it yet but he has i believe he has mentioned that it is possible to guess and he just didn't want to like reveal it okay but as far as as far as like fandom like established like theories go there is no dominant like thing that we all accept that yep he is. pretty much anyway this is not really interesting this is just like behind the scenes stuff this is we're we're nerding out over here stuff like there's a wide cast of supporting characters because the a strip gets very large and there's a lot of characters 
Um, but that like sort of gives you a sense of like sort of who is at play. Uh, one of the things that is potentially really interesting to me in creating characters in this space, because in some ways creating a character here is just like, oh, how is this different than just creating D&D characters? And one of the things I think that is interesting about creating a character in Order of the Stick specifically is the genre awareness. They break the fourth wall a lot. There is a character in one of the later books, there's like a villain, um, who is one of the more genre aware characters in the franchise, um, who's like, I'm going to start an evil empire because... Uh, somebody is going to come over and topple the evil empire eventually, but I know that in order for that to happen, um, there has to be an evil empire that gets ruled over for decades. Um, and so I get to just, like, live like a king for a couple of decades um, until I can get the heroes to conquer me. And there's more to that plot beyond that that, like, takes advantage of his awareness of what the story structure is to make fighting him more difficult. I think that is a territory that has been somewhat explored, but definitely has a lot of potential potential further exploration. And then another area is like the fact that it's characters who are aware of the rules of Dungeons and Dragons. There are adventuring parties in the world who fight monsters and go into dungeons. Characters have spell slots and feats and skill points. Um, and I think that making a character who interacts with awareness of those things is an interesting potential place to go well i want to mention that getting into the strip can be kind of difficult in the first thing because like the first couple strips were basically like making jokes the literally the first strip is entirely jokes about the differences between third edition and 3.5 edition which for the first like book and a half maybe can get a little grating if you're not familiar with them and also if that type of kind of control alt delete-esque humor uh bugs you which you know there's some of it that has not aged well um but honestly i mean in terms of things not aging well he did like he did rich burlew as mentioned so many multiple times that he kinda hates especially like characterizations in the first like say 100 strips like in like the updated version of the first book he has a whole multi-page like thing at the end like look back on the end and it's a like basically him putting on the I'm sorry women hat (laughs) yeah I mean there are some things at the beginning notably there is a famous scene with a belt of trans your gender which considering it was made in 2005 is not actually that bad you look back and I really would expect there to be more like there is one reference to the weepy transsexual when when the belt comes out um, but honestly, even that, like today, he I'm like, yeah, edited that's that. right. I am a weepy like, transsexual. That, that first came out, and then people told him that it was bad, and then he just straight up edited it. So it said, he, so instead of saying weepy transsexual, she says, "Get this, cr- I think, get this crying chick or get this crazy chick off of me." Like that's what her, uh, her that's what her uh, cryptograms say now, at least. I really would expect there to be more like arrows to the knee or whatever in the old strips. Like even not even just in like problem. I mean, in problematic ways certainly, but also like in terms of just cringe humor that doesn't age well, but fortunately most of it is pretty character-rooted. Yeah, and also also notably there is a non-binary, Varsuvius in this is non-binary, which 
originally was kind of just a joke about haha is this elf a man or a woman and recently in strips has been pretty much you know embraced like they use they them pronouns they are like probably in a gay marriage for whatever that's worth like like a weirdly progressive thing even if it did originally begin with them making jokes about the androgynous looking elf all of that said all of that said please do not give too much weight to this it gets so good 90 percent of the strip is like some of the best writing you've ever seen and not like early weird stuff but it's just that that's the thing that everyone gets stuck at that makes it so hard for people to start the series my roommate has been both watching Babylon 5 for the first time and reading Order of the Stick for the first time. They're, like, at the end of season two of Babylon 5, and they're, like, somewhere in book three of Order of the Stick. And their take very much is, like, yeah, I can see how there's a lot of similarities in these. Order of the Stick is so much better. They're so much better at it than Babylon 5 is. So, uh, if that says anything to you. This is the point where Rich actually starts listening to the podcast. That kind of comment is the kind of thing that... That's his goal in life. Devin, you've heard us talk about this for 35 minutes now. Is there anything in there that grips you? I have a couple of ideas about places that I think would be interesting to go with the character, but I want to hear if you have anything first. Mm, No. Okay. So, yeah, I talked about um, earlier, I thought that maybe it would be interesting to have a character who is, like, rules-aware um and incorporates that into part of their like way of being in the world i also think it would maybe be fun to make like a linear guild member there's a team that's like a rival adventuring party running around in the strip sometimes there's like a set of recurring villains who are doing like trying to do an evil opposites theme of the main party um but they like the exact membership gets swapped out sometimes and like what exactly does it mean to be durkin's evil opposite changes every time you encounter the linear guild right um and so it could be it could be fun to make a linear guild member i kind of want to make a monk character because the the every class is represented in this uh strip except for monk honestly like oh my god i love tony there is no monk i guess technically technically miko is has levels in monk she does you know oh does she huh like there, I just thought that that was a. There's like one throwaway joke in a prequel book about monks and how sucky they are, but that's it. I feel so bad for that one monk that they had. No, I do too, but it's okay. Anyway, so what do we want to make? Well, I want to make a woman. I agree. Cool. That's I support women. I support women. Go I women. Support women. Women are yeah. Okay. Anyway. Uh, so, woman, what class and race do we want this woman to be? Um, I would do a half-orc, but I, I don't want to, well, I don't want to repeat Thurkla. Class, struggle, race, racist. What if she's a halfling? No, I want a gnome. I like gnomes. You want a gnome? Okay, that's fair. I like gnomes, too. Gnomes do appear in the series at one point. There's a whole like steampunk type gnome town, and that's really the only time that we get to see I have gnomes. To point in out the way Rich talks about gnomes specifically in the commentary for that for that book. He specifically included gnomes 
just for the fact because they are silly and he likes them there's imagine there's very little you can do to make them serious or edgy without roping right around back to silly they he just absolutely loves how silly gnomes are this was just his excuse to make a bunch of silly gnome jokes yeah gnomes are a bunch of little goofsters can I, okay, so if we build on that then, what would make sense to me for an Order of the State character would be a character who starts out as an exact joke about that. We have a gnome monk with like a super, super dark, edgy yes. backstory who is impossible to take seriously. Like, and that's, and that's the joke when they first show up is just like, they're dark and brooding, but also like deeply goofy. And then like over time, maybe like we get to begin to feel for them shadow the hedgehog let's go a little bit of a shadow the hedgehog thing all right all right this gnome uh what is her let's see what can we think about her like what's her backstory whole village killed gotta be whole village killed and enslaved and enslaved for like their adulthood right okay okay and then Ooh, it would be a village. And of so monks, she was obviously. raised in the monastery. Yes, exactly. Right, right. And then Who gave her this jolly oh, little yes, hat? Oh yes, the hats. You're right, the hats. Okay, She's gotta so... have a jolly little hat. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Was she a Lydia Guild member? Did we confirm that? Maybe this is like a person who was in the origins of the Linear Guild, because we never really see the Linear Guild form. At, at some rate, she has to she has to leave the guild in some way. Either she gets killed or she chooses to leave. That's fair. Was she, like, up until the guild meets her, was she there when Zykon hired the guild? No. No, she was not. She was, like, with them up until that point. Who is she the evil opposite of? It feels like my, in my first instinct is to say Belkar. I'm thinking Durkon. Yeah, goofy. Well, no, I guess Durkon's kind of goofy, too. But, like... Dark and broody and very a maybe amoral. Is she is she like evil or neutral? What are we thinking alignment wise? I'm thinking neutral evil. Okay, I like neutral evil. Neutral evil sounds good. What's her color scheme? I mean, I, red and black probably. Let's be real. The gnome hat has to be red. Right, right. It would be red and black. The gnome hat is a. Would it be funnier if the gnome hat was like a classic red, or if it was all like black, like her soul or some shit? I think I think gnome hat is black because I think there are red highlights, like maybe has a red tassel or something. Ooh. But uh, on the page, I think red hat would like take up too much space and look too colorful on her. I'm totally okay with it. A black hat. I do want a a jingly little bell at the end of the hat oh absolutely i like the idea that she she carries two guns that are like basically like little intricate clockwork guns but they're like very dark brooding like you know like the crow or sin city type of thing but they're like they're gnomish does she use them like she's a monk so she mostly fights unarmed right oh shit yeah you're right okay just for accessorizing, I guess. I mean, monks can use slings. Like, that's a thing that monks do sometimes. A sling? But yeah, yeah, no, I get that. A sling, yeah, and a sling can be a bunch of things. Like, there's there's ways to get... Ooh, ooh, wait. What are some classic monk, like, ninja weapons? You got 
obviously you got the shuriken, uh, the sai, you got, I'm basically thinking of Ninja Turtles now. You got the nunchucks, you got quarter the, staff. the, uh, the quarter staff. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I want to make like some sort of needlessly intricate, like clockwork, uh, thing a part of her her accoutrement like i want to make Mm, that mm -hmm. a part of her sort of thing i want her to have like at least one like weird little like wind up toy or whatever maybe she has like a like a quote-unquote a familiar uh mouse which is literally just like a little wind up mouse it just follows her around it's its name is like bone crusher or some shit but it looks so cute see that's very belgar but it's also like the goofiest looking mouse little toy thing. Oh, oh yeah. Oh my god, they turned Stuart Little into the robot. Okay, here's what's gonna really make this character come together for me, I think, um, is understanding where the comedy comes from in her relationships with the Linear Guild. When we cut away and we watch the Linear Guild interacting, where's the comedy come from? Presumably it's like she's annoying Nail, right? She's like, whenever it cuts to her, it's like Spider Noir from Spider Verse, where it's like constant heavy shadow wherever I go, the wind follows. Like oh that would God. be funny. I love that. I think there is there is a notable like contrast between her and Thog, the you know lighthearted child like wonder alt barbarian who like murders people. Does she hate Thog for his childlike glee and his? like, delight in the world around him? Or do they form an unexpected friendship because they both are sort of simple people in the end and just kind of love destroying things? Thog thinks that uh, she and him are best friends, but she's all like, oh, hi, Thog. Dead silence. And then Thog just keeps talking. But that's her version of... That's her version of a warm greeting. Let's see, what about Sabine? It really feels like she wants to have, like, an edgy-off rivalry with Sabine to see who can be, like, the darker and more brooding. Sabine doesn't brood. She doesn't brood. She just has sex. But she is a fiend, right? And I think that our our gnomish monk would see that and go, oh, this character is dark and edgy because she's a fiend. Like, try to out-edgy Sabine, and Sabine doesn't fucking True. notice. Um and just effortlessly is more evil than our our monk at all turns. You just get a bunch of jokes of like our monk like threatening some poor commoner NPC and like trying to describe all of the evil things that she could do and then Sabine just like walking along and using drain energy and walking past without noticing. True. Yeah. That's good. I like we need a name though. Something like cartoonishly edgy you know like like but like still like quintessentially a gnomey you know i'm thinking of like what are like lame like lame fantasy names that players would give their lame fantasy gnome like you know suffer wind evil lady (laughs) evil lady We're not naming her evil lady. This can we, is name, better can than we that. name her evil gnome? But like it's spelled like all 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 one word all one word and it has like fancy little accents and is like different like so it doesn't look like it's you're saying evil gnome, but like it's that's how you say it. 
There's like the apostrophes yeah. in places where there shouldn't be apostrophes. Can we call her Dark Raven Moonshade? Dark Raven uh, Nightshade. We have. To put, I want to put Nightshade in there somewhere because Nightshade gnomes like Dark to name- Raven Nightshade. Yeah, Dark Raven Nightshade. That works. Her name is absolutely Dark Raven Nightshade. Dark Raven Nightshade. Let's see. Is that is that something? That's definitely something she adopted, right? That's what. Oh, for sure. That's not what she was originally called. She'll pro- she'll like run into a childhood friend who is all like, "Hey, Melissa, or whatever." No, like, she'd be named something, something really stupid. Something dumber than Melissa. Yeah. Okay. Like what? Like I don't know. Like sp- like a uh, 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 Lily Bell Twinkle Toes. That's a gnome name. Yeah, Lily sure. Bell Twinkle Toes. Yes. <laughs> Lily Bell Twinkle Toes. That's, That's perfect. perfect. Lily Bell Twinkle Toes. Okay, yes. Okay, does this character um get does this character is this one of the characters who stays as like a one-off joke um who shows up and is like a comedy member of the Linear Guild, like a leaky windstaff figure? Or is this a character who okay. Well, obviously if she's roc we would create like stories about her but i don't think she would exist in the world of the strip for very long yeah would she um so then then my i guess my last big question before i feel ready to go into one fun fact a piece is how does she become no longer associated with the linear guild what happens i think zykon forces them to rehire at the last minute that's true. I think maybe she, she's like the, the joke. What I think is she would be like cartoonishly overdesigned, just like main character sin, like main character syndrome. She looks like 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 so many bells, oh, bells yeah. and whistles, and then Zykon is all like, "What? What is this eyesore? Like, because Zykon is absolutely the type." who would, like, fire someone because their costume was bad, because they, like... Oh, he doesn't... He hates names. He doesn't want to remember her name. Everyone else has nice, simple names, easy for him to remember, and she's all like, my full name is, you know, Darkness, Dementia, Rape, like, Zykon's all like, fuck that shit, and then he just, like, he he just kills her. And they have to, they have to find Hilkia at the last minute. Yeah, okay, that works. I think that works, yeah, because... That, There's a lot so of reasons conven- why Zykon would not like that's her. That's so convenient to have Zykon be such a petty dick. Like, like he would. He, yeah, there are so many. He wouldn't like her because of her name. He wouldn't like her because her costume is overdesigned. He wouldn't like her because, like, what is she, a player Pretty character? Um, she's got total yeah. player character energy. He doesn't want that around. That's very He wouldn't good. like her because she's a monk. That's true. She's not even, like, a no, fun okay. monk. Yeah, but, but then how do we... But then how do we write more stories about her she's good for like a sort of like a one a one-off sort of joke like side strip yeah she's good for like one prequel okay okay fine yeah if they ever do a prequel of the linear guild uh yeah i feel ready to do one fun fact a piece about this character does everybody else feel ready to do one fun fact a piece about uh shit what was her name give me give me your name one more time dark raven nightshade dark raven nightshade yeah who is also Lily Bell Twinkletoes. Oh, I got my... Uh, okay, so... Uh, Filma Twinkletoes, or whatever the fuck, Nightshade, took a vow of chastity and loves to talk about how tortured everyone makes them sexually, but then they find the monastery and they're like, no, we, we fuck, it's fine. Thelma's <laughs> just kind of weird and wanted to be angsty about True. something. 
<laughs> That's absolutely right. That sounds good. We could even reveal that through, like, a conversation with Sabine, because Sabine wants to fuck mm-hmm. everything with legs, and that right. could be, like, a way that they're different. Um, and you can mine that for comedy. Um, I have my fun fact. She's lactose intolerant. Not elaborating. That's perfect. That's a perfect fun fact. Fog just loves his ice cream and he wants to share it with her. She's like, no, I can't. Okay, I've got my fun fact. Uh, it is that she is secretly a dragon that has been shapeshifted into a gnome this whole time. Holy Whoa. shit. Holy <laughs> shit. That, that substantially changes. That's my fun fact. It's too late. It's canon. Holy shit. Is she, like, like did she, can she change back? Does she know that she's been shapeshifted? No, no. I, okay, sorry. Uh, no, what's... No, okay. no, you did it. You're, you're stuck. That's how it... That's the fun fact. Okay, uh, yeah. She's actually a dragon that got shapeshifted into a gnome secretly, and that's, uh... A part of her torture is that she's actually, uh, uh, like, long ago, she was a red dragon who was shapeshifted into, no. oh, actually, this totally works, because this is absolutely the kind of Mary Sue PC-like thinking. Might I suggest a couple of things here, real quick, to build on that, that I think actually is maybe potentially interesting? Yeah? We have her be recruited by the linear guild not for the first dungeon but for the second time they encounter each other oh. in cliffport she is um a black dragon who happened to um have been transformed into a gnome during an event in which dude this is gonna mean a lot to people. People who have already read the strip know exactly where I'm going with this, and Just I'm trying to do it without being spoiled. Oh my god! If she, no, oh, no, if in some way having transformed into a gnome saved her life, prevented the, I'll say the attack that killed her family. The attack that killed her family did not hit her because she was transformed into so a like gnome. So like being transformed into a gnome just removes right, any sort of works. any sort of like black dragon blood in her. Okay, then, yeah, that works. Okay, that that works. If she gets away at the end, she gets to become... I'm sorry, I'm turning this into a whole big thing when it was supposed to be the fun fact of the thing. But if she doesn't get killed by Zykon at the end, like, gets pissed off and leaves the Linear Guild for some reason, then that leaves us open to, like, in future, there's a lot of stuff that that character could do as specific opposition to some of the characters in the party. Yeah, exactly. That's so good. Oh my gosh. Uh, secretly, my fun fact was the best fun fact. I win. Awesome. So, like, it starts out, it's a joke about how edgy she is and her whole family died. But then, over time, right. we come to understand the more emotional center of the whole thing. Yeah, which is that her whole family died. Which is that her whole family died. Yeah, awesome. No, like, of course, I'm... I'm glad that you managed to make something good out of my total joke of a of a contribution. That's great, dude. That's how creativity works. You gotta okay. you gotta throw yourself with the specific off the wall shit, and then it ends up being good. All right, good. We did it. Does that? Oh, I no. I'll just say that my thing okay. was the fun fact. It's fine. All right, all right, fine. <laughs> Fun fact, we totally take a left turn out of this character, like, half, like, 90% of the way Like, through. right at the 11th hour. Yes. 
Perfect. Sometimes that's how it goes. Actually, no, that's never how it goes, but it's fun that it's how it went this time. <laughs> okay, thank you all for joining us. Um, uh, this has been Original Podcast, Do Not Steal. My name has been Amber Autumn, she, her. Who have you been? Oh, I've been distracted uh, by fan art of Darman and Eaton from the Republic Commando novels that are no longer canon. Hi, I'm Prince Devin. Who have our guests been? I'm Noah Henderson. That's me. Is this the plug bit? Uh, yeah, if you want to plug yourself, if you want to let us know where you, we can find you online. Awesome. I, hi, I'm Jude Cyrus. You know, the whole I, 14 hours a day watching Family Guy funny moments. Pronouns are A.M. Ayers. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Slurmcore. That's Slurm like the Futurama drink. And follow me on Tumblr at Bimbocore. That's Bimbo is in, like, the hot bitch. And follow me on Letterboxd at ZidTheDroid, one word, Z-I-D, the droid. And follow me on Tumblr at also ZidTheDroid. If you're really desperate to follow me on Twitter that I haven't posted on in forever, you can also find me at Twitter at ZidTheDroid. I found my username and I'm sticking to it. Strong personal branding. I guess that's uh, that's an episode. Um, uh, join us next week when Devin tries to get us to talk about professional wrestling, but instead, Devin, what are we talking about? Well, you see, Amber, I've been a little burned out, so ordinarily we'd be going back to Pathfinder, but we just came off of a Dimension 20 trilogy. We just did Order the Stick. That's a lot of tabletop-adjacent content. And then I was like, okay, what if we ranked Marvel movies? But, ah, Season 2 is about to come up, and that's going to start with ranking. So, Amber... I'm doing something easy. Doing something I don't have to think about. A little bit of chicken soup for the soul. Amber, next week, we're returning to the dark. The dark universe. Yeah. And we're going to cast it. We're going to cast our dark universe. And yeah, I'm going to ask you some lore questions. Yeah, That's what are. next week is, everybody. Okay. Um. Thank you. I don't have a funny sign off. Penis. Goodbye. Goodbye. Monetize the friendship. Funny sign off. Patreon support. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>